0: I am Dana El Masri, and you are listening to On the Nose, a perfume podcast, but not just a perfume podcast. I'll be talking to artists, fellow perfumers, and everyday people about scent, culture, society, and how we follow our noses just as much as we follow our intuition. A multi hyphenate type of person with roots in Japan and Taiwan and a Cali heart through and through, she has become a prominent figure in the fragrance industry and has been championing indie perfumery for a very long time. She is the founder of Yosh Olfactory Sense, creative director of Centrunk, a perfume publishing company that produces monthly original editions with new perfumers each month, and is currently a creative in residence at the Battery in San Francisco. Yosh is also, most recently, the producer of Scent Festival, an annual digital event celebrating olfaction and the senses. Uh, It's also a platform for supporting BIPOC, or Global Majority, as we mentioned today, scent artists, and is currently sponsoring a petition to reclassify Oriental category in perfumery, which we mentioned. It's in both of our bios. If you need to uh, sign, please sign it. Yosh has over 25 years experience in the flavor and fragrance industry. Yosh serves on the advisory board for other beauty and beverage brands. Retailers, clients include Barneys, New York, Liberty, London, Saks Fifth Avenue, Dubai, Isetan, Tokyo, and Anthropology, and so many others. She's currently also on PBS, Human, The World Within, available to view on Netflix, which is super great. And has been featured in so many magazines, Vanity Fair, Vogue, Elle. New York Times, and many, many others. So thank you, Yosh, for uh, joining me today. Hello.
1: Thank you, thank you. It's so wonderful. It's it's kind of <sighs> shocking to hear the whole thing, you know? And, Together, and, I know. And also, since I uncovered my storage unit, I have projects from 2004 that I've uncovered, and I was doing experimental things way back then, you know? And um, yeah, I just I just love how um, the industry has changed. Some of it is more buttoned up and grown up. I still love the gritty, you know, grassroots style. I mean, I love, you know, startup space. That that energy is, is what I love. And that's, you know, me as a mentor that keeps me plugged into all the new yeah, things. We're
0: hungry, coming. that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One, we've had so many heated discussions between us because we're passionate about so many of these topics, but also, we've managed to make some of our conversations public, which is really amazing.
1: Oh, yes, exactly. You know, I want to thank you uh, and Tanais and Rauya, um, but especially you and Tanais, because I didn't know, I was unaware of this term called colorism. And I mean, I suppose I, I knew that I came from privilege, but I didn't really know how much uh, until more recently when I traveled to developing countries, I spent a year traveling to latin america and and went for the first time to southeast asia and then of course when i went i just had this awakening of oh they're asian just like me and then this whole world opened up to me but then also now here in the states i i see especially on the um social media especially with anti-asian hate crimes it's just like uh this this awareness that there are other first second third generation southeast asians that are literally just like me that their origin story is just like mine they look like me maybe they're tanner or maybe their physique is slightly different but these stories of racism at school when they were young for their names of course now there's a whole movement towards reclaiming your name right and and my name included myself i've had to change my name i have to shorten my name you know i love how there's always this discussion of, oh, well, this is just my nickname. I actually have a passport name that's different. Well, me too, you know? So I love this like weird thing that happens when you recognize your own history of not just being the victim of racism, but how I have perhaps done that to others, both unknowingly and perhaps knowingly, and this range of what is considered privilege, you you know, uh, because I've grown up in the States, because I don't have an accent, because I look the way I look, I can see that when I have been to Southeast Asia, that I look different. So this idea of colorism, elitism, privilege—it's been um, very eye-opening and um, painful, but also, I also feel like my whole world has shifted and has become expanded and also more um, obviously compassionate, but also like. We have to change this because if I had a hard time, I cannot imagine my brothers and sisters having a worse time than me because I know how painful my childhood was, my adult life is, and I'm a person of privilege. I'm a person who's educated. I've been educated in private schools at elite schools. And so I can tell someone, you know what, F off, I know my rights. And I can speak articulately and also factually, right? So I'm not going to take any shit from people. So I feel like I have to use my platform because there are plenty of people who are afraid. And that's what I'm coming across now more than ever in this movement is this awareness of, you know what, the roadblock is fear.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And I I think part of it is the fear of having to deal with it for yourself. So the part of the work is recognizing all of the privilege within yourself. Like for instance, I'm a lighter skinned Arab. I've also been private school taught. I speak with no accent myself. There are all of these layers of the privilege that part of it I've earned, part of it absolutely I have not. And I was born into, and I recognize that. And now I'm French trained and all of these things. And so I feel almost a responsibility because we are one of, we are sometimes some of the few in those rooms. Uh, And a lot of the time we felt like we earned our way there. Yes. And it took a really long time, but there's this fear of saying anything because you don't want to be the the person who everyone goes, Oh, well, you're the, you're the angry Asian or you're the angry Arab or you're this and that, or also of losing that status of losing all of the things that you had worked in order to get to that point. But now we, we are in a space where you like, If you know better, do better. Like there is no other way around it. If you continue to perpetuate the same language, the same behavior, the same thought processes, it doesn't end up doing anything. Uh, It doesn't serve you. It doesn't serve your community and it doesn't serve the world at large. I really do commend you for doing that work because it's not easy, right? And a lot of it does require breaking down the ego and figuring out who you are in all of that, because we are fed all kinds of stories, including like North America, for example, Canada and the United States. I've had this conversation with many people who've grown up outside of this side of the world, right? Mm -hmm. And there is this idea that, oh, well, hey, we don't recognize the rest of the world because it's so far away. So you are pretty insular on this continent. And so you don't realize, maybe by design, that they want us to think we're so not alike Mm. and that we don't have the same experiences but where i'm from uh the idea of the american dream or the canadian dream uh, i would get a lot more recognition and people would respect me a lot more if i had that kind of training and the french training and all of that stuff instead of being proud or having enough where we're from you know it was always west was this and West was that, and it's almost better. and so I totally understand growing up with that and being fed that that bullshit, really, because it's not true. It's just not true because everyone who comes here uh, and here I mean North America is one coming to colonized land and two, we're immigrating into a system that does not serve people of color on a larger scale, nor is it fair. There's no justice in, in the system in general. So as we can see, considering everything that's happened even the last couple of years. A lot of people in perfumery don't wanna make it political, but it is absolutely sociopolitical. It's cultural, it's artistic, it's all of those things. And these conversations, while some people have said, uh, what do they call them? Virtue signaling. Oh, yes. And I'm like, what is it in, what is in it for us to have to go through all of the, the things that we're putting out there and having to like do all this emotional work and have to explain things to people and and take up all of these people in your DMs. Like, why, you know, why would we do that if we were like, oh yeah, we want to just be like righteous and good. That's really not, it's not about that actually. It's about changing if you're in an industry, ch- try to change your industry and find ways to make it better. And I feel like you're one of those people who's, um, when I first started and we met in 2010 uh, mm-hmm. at Pitti Fragranza in uh, in Florence and you were showcasing uh, Yosh Olfactory Scents and I was still a student at the Grass Institute of Perfumery, your advice stuck with me f- till now you know you said everyone has their path it doesn't matter you you gave me Ineka Ruland as a really good example of a trained perfumer and you gave me yourself as a, as a really good example and to be honest at the time you were also one of the very few people of color that I could even relate to on any level and I was like you know what like Yosh made me feel like I can really do this. And I feel like you've done that for a lot of independent perfumers and a lot of different people on every scale of the fragrance industry. And so this goes back to me saying that perfume is political, perfume is social, perfume is community-based, and that's why we're here.
1: A thousand percent. And thank you for saying that. And thank you for acknowledging that that synchronistic moment of recognizing, oh, and I, you, you know, like, is Zipka and GIP were not available to me because back then they were only accepting French speaking students. Right. So I don't speak French. I'm not a Francophile. I'm, I'm very public about it. And it's, it's, it's okay because I wouldn't have thrived in that environment. You know, I'm not a lab perfumer. I'm not super technical. I'm very creative and I'm much more of a outside thinker. And so I also think that you know, all the reasons why I'm successful is everything that I'm not actually. I I didn't go to school for perfumery or business. I'm super esoteric, very spiritual. I'm very left, very progressive. I'm Asian and I'm American. Mm -hmm. All of these things that is not considered modern perfumery in quotations. And Mm -hmm. this is what I have to say about that. Oh, really? You're a French accredited school and you've are gonna be teaching modern perfumery with outdated concepts. Really, this is what is infuriating, is you wanna tell me you're the cradle of modern perfumery, but you're teaching outdated concepts, geographically incorrect, olfactorily incorrect, and you wanna perpetuate a system that only benefits a certain part of the world. It's not global at all. It's not even the current zeitgeist. And this is where in my own journey of decolonization, I have had to come to terms with my privilege, where I've come from, and where am I going? It's absolutely political and cultural and, and, you know, socioeconomic, all of these things, because you know, you can't think about perfume now without considering, well, who made this? Where did it come from? Exactly. Where did the materials grow? And you mean to tell me that one of the best selling perfumes from the best, you know, most industrious, most successful perfume labs owns all the land in Madagascar. And those people are starving and, and affected by the drought. Exactly. And they can't, they don't even have any food to eat. And yet we're exploiting Um, The vanilla. So you can't tell me that you love vanilla in your quote unquote oriental perfume and actually sit there and let these people in Madagascar starve to death. Absolutely. And yet, you own all the property that they can't even live on, and that goes for so many places. You know, it's happening in in, in Haiti, the vetiver, the exactly. in, in Indonesia, yeah. the, the patchouli, right? These are ingredients that are everyday ingredients that we can't live about, live without. You know, so,
0: and all in the name of what storytelling? Like that's yeah. what frustrates me, right? Is this idea of fantasy and storytelling, and that that's the crutch that keeps that that, that they keep going back to. And instead of really just recognizing like, hey, everything is interconnected. So why can't you give uh, credit where credit is due? Why can't you give more money to the people cultivating? You know that this country or this place um, is one of the biggest exporters in the world, like a global exporter and a very specific one in that. And for you to just overly sanitize and abuse their culture and their land and all of that in the name of, oh, well, here we are creating this beautiful fantasy and this beautiful story. That doesn't make any sense to me because now people are so much more conscious uh, when it comes to living, when it comes to consuming whatever product. And I really believe that now people, especially when it comes to perfumery, also want to know where these things come from. So wouldn't you rather, like you're talking about fair trade coffee and fair trade this and that. Like how, how would you really feel knowing that vanilla is over harvested, it has to get picked by hand, that the people of Madagascar are suffering deeply and the the fact that a lot of the money can be spread in the right way if it's in the right hands through the right mediums or media. So that's that's the thing that's really, really um, complicated at the moment. And this is all coming back to one thing, which is the oriental topic, right? The oriental fragrance classification. This is something you and I started talking about in 2020. And we're like, a lot of people are scared about talking about eliminating this category or changing it or updating it, whatever word you want to use. And we got a lot of pushback when we tried to reach out to all kinds of people. And now it's come to a point where some people are, are, yes, 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 let's do this. And some people are absolutely still very much um against changing it and i feel like this is all connected back to the system in place that no one seems to want to shake up whether it comes to cultivation sourcing uh fragrance classification how many people um of the global majority i'm gonna say instead of bipoc of the global majority we are the global majority um who are not on every level of the fragrance uh Industry, let's say. Um, so all of these things are related, right? And there has to be some sort of shift that is enough. Where even though there is fear, there has to be enough people who are willing to be like, you know, what doesn't matter. We have to, we have to work through it anyway. Isn't that courage? I also think it's been my personal,
1: you know, just how I live my life. But you know. Fear is the gateway to evolution, and so when you move through your fear, when you acknowledge what it is, that's actually your next step. You know, as a professional clairvoyant, I, I do a lot of energy readings, and almost every person who 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 comes to a reading is in a place of transformation. Everyone's always evolving, right? But the but lately, more lately, the the people's requests are about, well, what's my destiny? What's my life purpose? Well, what are you afraid of? Because that's probably your next step. And you know, for me, I don't really want to be political. I don't think of myself as an activist, but but here I am, right? And 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 this is my fate currently. This is the path that is in front of me currently. And I'm gonna move through it in the best way possible because that's also my personality, is okay. This is what the universe has put in my lap, and it's a huge thing that I was didn't know that I had to move through. It, it's in fact feels like such a, um, I don't know, you know, in, in perfumery we have these materials that are very viscous that, that you have to melt and you have to transform. True alchemy, right? This is This is alchemical. This is the meta aspect of what we are doing. We have a hard material, which is racism, and we have to transform it somehow. We have to melt it by melting hearts. The heart notes, like boom. And then when you consider When we have this alchemical process in ourselves and in others, what comes out on the other side can only become beautiful. We're still at the beginning stages because as you say, it's so layered, it's so complex. You have the ingredients, you have the sourcing, the suppliers, every aspect, we have to actually lift the carpet, you know, like literally, I mean, we can go on from puns, but let's lift this oriental carpet and like, like let's let's shatter this genie in a bottle dream, because, you know, it's, it's, it's not consensual. That's not my dream. Let's peel it back and give the authentic story, the real story, starting first with, let's talk about culture, geography where are we talking about because this fantasy is like so vague and no one wants to address that like really now they just look stupid because you're like okay well then if it's the east well then where is the east let's just break that down for starters you know like east of where decentralize that of course it never occurred to me but it makes sense to me the the chinese character for china is center Right, mm. because they view themselves as the center. That's well, just dumb. also
0: one of the largest countries in the world, so it's not surprising that they would think that. See, yeah. that's the thing. You know, I grew up in Dubai, and even then. I knew I was an outsider because I'm Lebanese. I'm Egyptian. I'm there as an expat. There's all of these different layers of new culture and new olfactory culture that I was introduced to that was extremely different than my own. So already in that, I was discovering something new. But then going to perfume school and hearing how people spoke about Certain areas and how they alluded to it and how they stereotyped so easily and they stereotyped me so easily. And it became almost like a point of contention for me. And while I've learned not to fight everyone's battles, there are certain battles, including reclassifying the oriental category that I'm so passionate and adamant about because it does not serve the larger community and it doesn't say anything about the scent and the whole point about perfumery now is to demystify it right and is because again people want to understand and learn more and that's they're absolute right um whether it's in stories whether it's in materials now is the time to be like hey there are all of these elements including the cultural nuances of each of these uh countries and the idea of L'Artisan Parfumeur which I like a brand I love right like I love so many of these French brands but even recently in 2021 coming out with a Lorient collection is complicated because I'll recognize this okay in English the word Oriental is problematic it is not problematic in French or is not deemed problematic in French nor is it in Arabic for example but in Arabic Uh, Oriental equals Sharqi, which could also mean Eastern, right? So it doesn't necessarily have to equal Oriental, right? Mm -hmm. And so there is an element of Orientalism that we are also trying to focus. We're not saying that this is um, all of Orientalism, because obviously not. But this is actually a very specific example of Orientalism, just like in art and music and all of that, where now... There's such a focus, again, on this fantasy story, a story, beautiful lands of this and that, without actually, one, respecting um, anyone from that culture, including anyone in the marketing, in the making of that fragrance, in any of that, right? And now it's become a problem because there's also this pushback where the logic is, well, it's fantasy, or, oh, I know one friend who doesn't find this offensive, so that's cool, or, oh, I've never heard um, of this being offensive, so, like, whatever, what's the big deal? But these are all actually symptoms of a larger problem, right? This is, again, going back to neocolonialism and racism. So we need to really dissect, like, why is everyone so freaking afraid of changing one word that would actually make it easier for everyone involved, whether it's to classify it on an industry scale or to inform the public of what we're trying to share with them.
1: Well, I think it takes a certain um, kind of humanitarian to also admit that they're wrong. You know, like if you say, well, my ancestors did that, I've been the beneficiary then there's some dis- distance but to also admit, oh my gosh, of course you know it's it's not correct I, I had a conversation with someone the other day he kept saying things like you know what what blah 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 is off the reservation and I said, you know what I'm sorry I have to interrupt you you keep saying that phrase off the reservation and I want to let you know it's it's not correct right now given all the stuff that's happening to the Native American um, community. A day later, he said, oh, my gosh, I want you to know that I thought about it. I asked some friends and you're absolutely right. I also did some research. I want you to know that in my mind, it was a military um, terminology because the military actually uses reservation to mean anything related to the campus or to the organization. And I said, but that still has colonial roots. And he said, you're absolutely right. Thank you for bringing it to my attention. Those words right there thank you for bringing it to my attention that's that's what we're looking
0: for exactly
1: i'm not looking for all these excuses why you're not going to change it don't be complicit just say oh i didn't realize that that was offensive but i see now that it is thank you for bringing it to my attention my awareness has expanded and more recently now, these are similar words that I'm hearing mostly by DM, because there is still this fear of, oh, somehow if you change sides and admit that you using Oriental is bad, that that, I don't know, you're a betray, you're a, you're a traitor or something, even that is like bullshit. But I think what we see now though is how can we create more space? for people to make that change. If you're racist, you got other work that I can't help you with because I'm not a professional therapist. But what I can do is offer information to people who are perhaps unaware, who would gladly make the change, knowing they might not take it offensively, but they recognize, oh, you know what? Other people are hurt by this. I don't need to use that word. I have no glue to it. It's 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 not it's just a word to me, and you're absolutely right. Why don't I become more olfactively accurate? And what other words are there? Instead of, oh, well, I'm not offended by it, so I'm not going to change it. Right. Recognizing that other people are affected by it. Oh, I'm European. It doesn't mean the same thing as in America. We don't have racism in Europe. What the actual F yeah. are you talking about?
0: I mean, you can swear here, by the way. You can do whatever you okay. want. You can say whatever well, you want. Yes. But it's it's really also like just the matter of hey we're not here to offend anyone by saying or like to put the blame we're just focusing more on how can we evolve our industry how can we evolve yeah, yeah. Uh, evolve and involve the right people mm-hmm. right
1: evolve and involve
0: yeah that's it. It's not coming from any uh, any other place other than, we want things to get better and we want to be more intersectional and more inclusive, right? And we want to find a way for people to feel safer, expressing how they feel in their work environments, in their public persona, whatever it is, right? Like just to feel, uh, and also less alone because it's, I I can count the the amount of people in this industry that I can speak to who can understand me on a visceral level, who have also gone through something to that extent whether it's being a woman in this industry which over like it's very very difficult and I started later so I'm I'm again very lucky whether it's being a person of color uh visible minorities do not get the same opportunities the same treatment and also sometimes they get um or it works the other way around and they get tokenized so they'd be like okay well that person's uh, Asian or that person's Arab or that person's black. So we're going to include them in the team so we can look good. So this idea of performative activism, which has been across industries and going throughout, like right now, our social zeitgeist it's happening as we speak, but it's absolutely very, very obvious in our industry as well, because our industry also likes to function on smoke and mirrors. Like that's a part of what makes it so appealing.
1: But the irony is, is everyone wants transparency. Yes,
0: exactly. I'm moving
1: towards the future and the future is inclusive. And this is what I find the most inspiring is that when you get with people who are on the same vibe as you, right? It's it's so collaborative. It's immediately like fireworks and there's chemistry there. And so going back to this analogy of, of true alchemy, um, I have felt um, truly, like my whole world has expanded from, you know, learning more about other brands, learning more about other cultures. You know, my, my favorite thing probably is just learning two simple Arabic words, khaliji and also Mahalat, right? Because they were not in my awareness before. And I have only been to uh, Dubai and um, Kuwait but, and then I've also been to Turkey, which is kind of in that region, but separate. And also um, in my mind, I felt both a kinship, like, oh my God, this is kind of Asian, but not really. And also very, very different, right? And then those smells were very much like a deja vu experience, not because I have lived there, maybe I had a past life there, but it's this ancient feeling, which I think is oftentimes confused with this fantasy story. Because when you have something that smells so deeply spiritual, ancient, Um, alive and dynamic it hits you on a visceral level that it it just grabs your DNA it grabs your senses and says hey wake up this is part of humanity that that connects us all and when you smell that which is pervasive and like amazing just emanates the, the the cloud that you breathe and and then of course the gliding of of everyone who walks with their long robes you you it's really truly magical but to try to take that for yourself is, is what is problematic, right? And that's the thing that we're saying, I'm a visitor here. I'm here to learn, not I'm a visitor. I'm gonna take everything and put it in my tourist pocket and then change it when I go back home. No, that, we're not doing that anymore, folks. This is, that's not correct. And we're not gonna exploit anymore because what we want to do instead is say, oh my gosh, I am in love with whatever whatever I'm seeing and experiencing right now in my travels, and I want to bring that into my own life, how can I do that respectfully? And how can I share and collaborate? Not this like right now, this this, like crazy lady with the kanji and she's westernized. um, Right. Yeah, exactly. There's a difference
0: um, between interpreting and appropriating. That's really what it is. And exactly. to explain to whoever is listening for context, so makhalat uh, means mix in Arabic, and that refers specifically to oud uh, aka agarwood, uh, rose and saffron, that specific blend, which is extremely popular in the GCC countries, which are also known as al-khalij, which is why uh, in Arabic, and al-khalij is referring to the Gulf, that they are, like they are surrounded by. And so someone from there could be referred to as Khaliji. For someone who is a native of the United Arab Emirates, they are called Emirati, for example. But Makhallat is something that is very synonymous with that region specifically. And I wonder like let's look at agarwood, for example, and agarwood is used in two forms of incense and many, many more. But the the two cultures that I'm speaking about are kudo incense in Japanese culture, culture and bukhur in Emirati or Khaliji culture. So they're almost. I wonder if that sense of kinship was related to that one sense of ritual and to the form of. Uh, the application that it's in, so incense, and three, the fact that it's agarwood. While I'm, there's different varieties. I wonder if there's an element of spirituality that lies within this very specific raw material that can be, um, just like in cooking, right? Like every country has their own version of some sort of vegetable or like the way that they use that potato. Right. So it's a very regional way of using a material. And I wonder if this is a a good example of that.
1: Oh, absolutely. I love this idea of regional, Sense, you know, we have regional cuisine, regional, why wouldn't we have regional scents? Because we already do, right? Because you have Chepra, which is very specific to- Cyprus. Cyprus, right? And then of course the French and their fucking champagne, don't call it champagne unless it's from fucking France, from fucking champagne. Well, okay, then you want to have these quote unquote Oriental smells. Well, where is it from? Is it, if it's from the UAE, then why don't we call it Mahalat? That, that that makes total sense to me, and I have heard that they're perhaps going to introduce this word in some wheels, you know. And I think that that would be amazing because why do we only have to word, have words in French and perfumery? We should absolutely adopt words, Japanese words, Arabic words, words in the local language, right? Yeah. And I also also think that people, if if you don't know that the rose saffron oud is specific to that region, then you're convoluting like, oh, okay, well, it's oriental because it's Moroccan. Well, in Morocco, they have other fragrances more specific to that region. Or in Egypt, it's other oils that are more specific to that region. Yeah, or we in-
0: think of jasmine so much more than rose and amber, which Penhaligon's came out with, with their Cairo perfume, and it made me so angry. And I asked them, were were there any Egyptians in the making of this perfume? Because if you ask any Egyptian, they're gonna be like rose and amber. What are you talking about? Cairo smells like trash. And I've said it before on this podcast. So there is an element, which I love, by the way, like my family thinks I'm so strange to really love the smell of like burning trash. But there's this element of realness in Cairo that is, it's developing. It's a massive country. It's a massive city. It's, it has all of these different microcosms. So it's not going to be clean. And it's not always, it's like the, the sepia filter in film or you know where they're like anything that's eastern they have this really weird sepia filter on it and it's like well i'm sorry we have blue skies there we have palm trees we have all kinds of things that are full of color actually it could easily look like mexico or los angeles you know i i had so many different um memory flashbacks when i first came to California because there were smells, there was flora, there was all kinds of architecture that reminded me of home, actually. So it's all, I don't know, it's its just kind of frustrating to have people continuously want to stick. It's its more of like, we want to stick to the story. Um, and that's why when someone calls me uh, exotic and tells me that I should take it as a compliment or that I look like Jasmine, oh. um, which is such an Orientalist comment like in itself, I just look at them and I send them Souhir Hamad's uh, Not Your Erotic, Not Your Exotic, which I think I sent you a long time ago. It's three minutes long, not even. And she really just succinctly uh, puts it into words and how it's just unacceptable to continuously feed these false narratives and think it's okay to ignore the people who are actually saying, hey, it's not cool. The and we have, we have more to say. Yes,
1: yes. And that's the part about the outdatedness, right? The sepia tone, the sepia filter is colonialism, right? And when you, I mean, I was, I was affected because I didn't know. I, I only had dreams of what I thought um, Dubai was like. But you also
0: grew up in the U.S., like that's another thing, right? And I grew up in Dubai, extremely sheltered, don't get me wrong. So there are, we are very much victims of our society. And part of the work is to unlearn what we have been taught and to push the status quo and say, okay, how can we do better here?
1: Well, I love that there is an integration, you know, in other places that there's an old city and there's a new city. You know, and when you really are in the middle of the old old city with the souks, you're like, oh, I've gone um, time traveling like back in time. And then when you walk outside and you go five minutes away and you're like in a very luxurious modern mall with all the brands and all the luxury cars and every single technology, you're just like, oh, my God, I'm in the future. And then every time I travel and I come back, I always think, oh my God, America is so barbaric. It's so backwards, really. And so that's the reality of the sepia toned colonial lens that- that That's
0: so not true because that's just Dubai. And Dubai is actually not at all similar to most of the very struggling war-torn countries in uh, Southwest Asia, right? And North Africa. So that's the thing too, is that it's- it's again, more about who's telling the story, how's the story being told and who in the community is actually being served on a small scale and on a large scale. So for me, I feel like, I see you as a community leader in a lot of ways. There are certain things that you shouldn't be fighting for because um, it's a lot, uh, yeah. but I feel like there is a good evolution with how you started. So you started with like almost, um, on your own with you So you really have been um, rallying people for quite a while. And the Oriental topic I believe came out in Aroma Village in the comments because of Fla- the, the Flair um, article that came out in 2016. Oh, yeah. And I know I got a lot of flack for it. Saskia and I were fielding people in the comments as well around that time. And people are asking me like, why are, you say- why are you talking about this and all of that? And I'll say it here. The reason I'm talking about it is because no one else is, okay? And I'm not saying I'm here to sound the horns and uh, be up in arms about everything because I'm not. I'm a perfumer. I want my work to speak for itself. Um, But I do believe that there's a responsibility for us who are in positions of freedom. And by freedom, right now, I work for no one. I work for myself. Therefore, I'm not bound by any fear contracts or clauses in our industry. And I can say that, hey, this is, again, not coming from a bad place, but from a place where we really genuinely want to grow
1: well it's it's the history right because yes as as a perfumer you know i started my career in the late 90s and as an asian american female perfumer there were not not many people like you and so in that loneliness that's where i brought the community together because i knew other perfumers female perfumers perfumers of color and then aroma village came out of that because i wanted to not be alone. And then when I was showing a lot in Europe uh because I had, you know, lots of distributors over there, um again I found myself, well how come there's no other person that looks like I, me?
0: Yeah. Where is
1: everybody? And so I've been a champion of niche and artisan and indie yeah. perfumes for a long time. I hosted a lot of breakfasts that turned into lots of dinners that turned into other festivals in real life. You know, the first artisan salon in um, San Francisco, right. yeah. Saskia came to one of my classes and then other people I have mentored. and And in my work, you know, virtue signaling is kind of a new thing. It's a new phrase, but But I, as a consultant, I always took my work seriously, but I always wanted my consulting work, my mentoring, to be about the other brands. So I don't want it to be the Yosh show all the time because it's not my work at Scent Festival, my work at Scent Trunk. It's not a Yosh project. It's a scent festival about the community. Scent Trunk, Artisan Fragrance Salon, same thing, not a Yosh project. I don't mind having my name on it as a collaborator or host or a sponsor, but it's not about me because I have my own brand and I can do whatever I want with that brand. But all these other things, the petition, it's not a Yosh petition, right? It's a petition for the community. Yeah. And I think that that's has always been part of who I am is about the community because I don't want to be alone. I'm not alone and when i say well this is who i am i didn't go to perfume school i didn't go to business school i'm asian i'm female and uh, i'm just doing my thing i'm also very spiritual all the things that you're not supposed to be well those are the very things that make me successful that's the x factor and in perfumery of course when you have a bland fragrance um, the x factor is what makes your fragrance unique and so if if i can be that person And, and, you know, I think this is, for me, what makes me happy is the DMs that I get more recently, daily and weekly, is thank you so much for sharing your story because you've changed the way I see the world, the smell the world. And you've given me something that I can do for myself because I'm interested in fragrance. And right now, because of COVID, people have lost their sense of smell. Suddenly, it's become hyper important right? So um, energetically, of course, smell is related to our, our sense of um, security, our, our physicality. It's both tangible and intangible. And so when you consider, we need, it's a, of all our six senses, including our intuition, scent is the only one connected to um, breath, right? I mean, we yeah. can, we, so so we, we need it to in order to be alive. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I say, I smell, therefore I am right right? because if you can't breathe, you're just become unalive. And when you consider, then, well, when we breathe, why don't we breathe in something beautiful? And and that, and when we share breath, right, kind of like when we share bread, but when we share breath, that's what we're really saying is we're taking in somebody else's energy, their aura, and that's what we're doing with the botanical materials is we're taking the essence, the chi, the prana, whatever you want to call it, it's the essence of the plant materials and each other that that we're bringing into our arena our our awareness our aura and then that final thing our skin our connection is alchemized and then that's the new um blend and that's where that you know that's that's what we're trying to achieve is the sharing of breath and you know in and and if someone told me that whatever 15 years ago that that chance meeting in Pitti for was going to yield this kind of confirmation you know i love that you said that i gave you some hope but you know flash forward 15 years later you've given me the same thing because had i not been decolonized in scent i was being decolonized personally but decolonized in perfumery it's really changed the trajectory of my business because you know maybe four years ago i was like ready to skip town i was traveling i i my nose was also busted i couldn't smell i had some really intense fragrance projects i had to smell like 505 fragrances i had to do a contamination project it was like fucking nuts i couldn't smell anything for almost 3 years my smell is only just starting to come back and in a strange turn of events i inherited someone's library i also unpacked my own storage and suddenly I can smell again.
0: A reawakening.
1: A reawakening, exactly. Through also this colonial thing because it's also stirred my imagination. And so new neurons are being formed and um, through scent and I've become more passionate about it in a different way. And so, you know, thank you for that. And also, you know, I I just love the newness. I love that the, the world is not so big and scary through scent. You know, you meet people and you you cross the pond and you realize this passion that we have. Um, it's not that big of a world because you know, some of these famous perfumers, um, you and I both included in that celebrity-ness, right?
0: Uh, I don't know about that. But I think uh, sense is absolutely we're known, quantities.
1: Us. we're known quantities, right? You know, so it's it's all very accessible, right? Or
0: if you're oh, not if, for everyone though, again, because I'll say it, that you were again still one of the very few for me. I had a lot of, not to say a lot, but it was very few that I would have a, a woman, let alone a woman of color, who was willing to like give me an email and give me the time of day. And and you were really... Um, generous, overly generous with your time. Like at one point you were like here, you know, if you want to learn more, here's my rate, which was the most fair thing to do because now people ask you for everything right off the bat. And I'm like, yo guys, you have all kinds of resources online. We had to earn that. Like you had to, the only information you would get is literally from a person most of the time. And there was one time that I'll never forget, you did like a, sm- a short aura portrait for me, like during your lunch break or something at Elements Showcase, where I I had some, you know, not so great energetic experiences with men, let's say, because I got a lot of hmm. starting out, I didn't get people to, uh, sorry, taking me seriously. I just, yeah, I was uh, judged a lot. Uh, Also, because I was a stranger, no one knew. And he's like, who the fuck is this girl? (laughs) Like, you know, I'm just like, I'm like, hi, I have a blog. I'm a perfumer, I think. (laughs) Uh, And you wrote, uh, you colored only, like, I colored only two parts of your little portrait. And you looked at me and you said, wherever you are, you are in the right place. Mm. And I've used that pretty much in any moment of uh, fear or um, doubt, because sometimes I'm like, oh my God, why am I here? I, I should be somewhere else. I, I belong, where do I belong, et cetera. And that, that that sentence always comes back to me because while perfumery to me and the way I approach perfume used to be very conceptual and it still is very conceptual, it is now much more cultural and much more community-based. And uh, I came out with the sentinels. The whole point was I wanted to share whatever I learned. So I always felt like there is... This intrinsic connection with community that is imperative uh, for new perfumers or modern day perfumers, Um, but also this idea of destigmatizing the things that we had to deal with uh, on our own. And I want anyone listening to feel like you're not alone, you know, because you made me feel like I wasn't alone. And I think that's what we're trying to achieve with this is just to have people feel seen, just like with the database that we tried. I've been working on and having people be like, hey, let's not have any marketing faux pas anymore. Hire, here's a whole list of people on every level, whether they're evaluators, perfumers, marketing teams, whatever, or people of color who can probably give you a much more informed answer on any... Any type of topic uh, cultural topic that you are you know covering at the time especially if it's theirs
1: absolutely and i think that there's more um, not just awareness but more camaraderie there are certainly more allies and i think it's important to extend that olive branch both ways right because we want to give space for people even if they were vitriolic everyone will have a come to jesus moment on their own time right? And so whatever time frame someone has to come to their own awareness, we want to offer space for that too. And that, that's really the high road. But I really think that that's the only way forward is for people who are like, awesome, I'm, I'm on board right away, because they have that in themselves. That's great. Let, let's put them to work as well. But the people who need time to digest because it's not just an industry thing, it forces us to look in ourselves. And then when you consider it could be a brand, it could be a business, it could be a supplier, it's the the down cycle that really, um, you have to address it on on a deep level and to untie those knots um, are very structural, which is what is needed, of course, but some people don't want like the earthquake Um, crumbling effect because it can be damaging because you can't just suddenly pull the plug because then it also affects the down chain that way, right? So we have to do it in an environment that works. I'm not a huge giant corporation, so I don't know what that process is like, but I know that it takes time. I also know that in the work that we started a year ago, you longer, lots of big companies, more recently, of course, uh, Michael Edwards and and his Fragrances of the World and the Fragrance Wheel, that has started a big chain of chain reaction. Yeah. CPL, CPL Aromas, yes. Rawia being the director there of the Middle East, that's huge because they are public allies. They've publicly said, we're changing our olfactive mapping. And they have ties literally to Europe and also the Middle East and the US. And so it takes someone of courage to be able to say, I mean, and they have been working on it for a year and they were early.
0: That's the The thing. I really believe that it's slow and steady. We're not expecting fast change because I don't actually believe that fast change is sustainable. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's study where you where you really put in the, the right work, you're integrous, you're honest, you do the right thing and you find a way to not to do it in a respectful way, in a in a sustainable way and in a progressive way and in a way where everyone feels good about it, which is rare. Okay, and I'm not saying, especially on an industry level or on a corporate level, that everyone's happy about whatever decision gets made publicly. I'm just saying that there is absolute, it's it's still very, very doable.
1: And while it's
0: daunting to to make all of those changes over time, uh, I think that's why we said six to 12 months in your petition, right? Which is, I think, a very fair amount of time because even before those six months, that gives you time to think about what you want. And then within the six to 12, you have time to put it into
1: action. I think that's right, because it requires a dual um, programming, right? You have to check within yourself and then depending on the size of your business, what the proper protocol is because maybe for a big corporation, it also requires hiring the right DEI expert, right? Because you can't make change unless you have um, the global majority at your table. Right. So oh, yeah. you,
0: I believe you, there should be like cultural consultants in perfumery.
1: Yes. Yes. Well, you, you are, I am right. Like we're, we're both available. We, we both have consulting. That's businesses. true. Yeah.
0: Anyone listening, we're absolutely available for, for this kind of uh, situation.
1: Yes. And I think it's important to have people who are, um, you know, doing this work to to have some awareness of the topic and not just be the consultant that says, oh, no, I'm not offended. Green light. Let's continue using. Exactly. So That's right. not the kind of person we want on the seat of the table. We need someone who's a liberator, who is a freedom fighter and someone who understands the entire program from seed all the way to the finished package right we need people to understand that the farmer who's only earning a dollar a day is affected and we are absolutely championing that cause too Mm -hmm. not just us sitting in an air-conditioned environment right so i think that that's important and i and i really love what you're doing um even with this podcast it gives space for that and your fragrances are amazing because you know um, they're modernized, and so they have this ancient quality. But you've also managed to bring technique into it and modernize it in a way that's that's very unique and different. Even the work that we did to de- together through Scent Trunk, you know, that frankincense fragrance was challenging to work with, but also you created something that's atypical of fragrance of frankincense, and also brought to light you know, the, 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 the sustainability issue of frankincense in Oman and also Somaliland, right? And also bringing in the Arabic and also taking care that we weren't using marketing that that was sustaining the fantasy, but bringing in a new a new dream for everyone, right? And I think that it's important to acknowledge that there are brands doing good work. There are brands who are making a difference know, perfumers apprentice um and scent trunk we are committed over there i'm not really related to perfumers apprentice only scent trunk but they have changed their marketing on their websites and we are active um all the perfumers that we work with we we work our 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 platform is the global majority so we are very intentional about um, commissioning people of perfumers of color and i think that that we, we, you, we, you can have impact. And I think that's the part that gives me hope every day, because like you, sometimes I go, Oh my God, what the fuck am I doing? I, 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 I'm doing this all volunteer based, right? Like, is this how I want to spend my day? Not really, but I must. And I do, but the emails that I get from industry leaders now, Hey, I just want you to know, I just want you to know that Here's our updated wheel. This is the email that I look forward to is hey, I'm on it's on my radar. We are working on it. It's not yet done, but we're making changes. And so lately it's been less vitriolic and much more It's become more quiet and people are, okay, is it safe for me to come out and and say that I'm working on it? Oh, good. Because I know that sometimes in our educating and learning, we're passionate, right? So I'm learning to give that space for people who want to learn to come forward, people who are curious and want to ask honest questions, both people of color, there's lots of Asians, Southwest Asians who don't understand the topic because, as you said, the word may mean East and is not as charged in some places, and yet we have to explain, but it is offensive in other places, and here's why.
0: It's an outdated, inaccurate term to describe a massive fragrance family because Oriental now covers Everything you could think of, like vanilla could be a gourmand fragrance, so it could be gourmand, ambery, balsamic, even powdery fragrances, some of them can be classified as oriental. So there is, it's just, it's too vague, actually. Yeah, yeah. And it's vague scent-wise, and it's even more vague uh, culture-wise, which that to me is kind of just rude. It's like, well, don't mix up a Malaysian with a Lebanese person. Like, that just doesn't make any freaking sense to me. And that happens to me a lot because, for instance, I'm very, like, racially ambiguous, right? So people think I could be, I've gotten Singaporean, I've gotten Malaysian, I've gotten Jordanian, I've gotten everything but what I am sometimes. And I don't mind it. Like, it's it's totally fine. But it's more about how people approach you and how they classify you and how they judge you based on that classification is where i mm-hmm. I have a problem. And that absolutely um, is duplicated in our industry. So I think that's where it comes. And it's, again, all comes down to awareness. So thank you for that so much, because it's, it's so important to, for people to understand that, again, this is not like, Hey, we're fighting to, uh, no one's at blame. It's more of like, there's a very specific system in place and actually now is the time to to address a few things that could actually make us all better as a whole i think
1: so i mean i can't wait for these new um not just new fragrances but new categories new language
0: new technologies even there's so much going absolutely. on yeah
1: absolutely and and i love the learning so thank you and thank you for
0: this platform thank you for your time and thank you for sharing your resources the work that you've done with scent festival is actually really imperative because a lot of people want to feel seen and honestly our industry has changed so much since i've even graduated right like there's so many self-taught perfumers out there it's still a very much an isolating industry following the the template of open perfumery with open dialogue and Mm -hmm. open culture and finding a way to really just Like, looking at it from an anthropological perspective, like, if you've ever read uh, Aroma by David Howes and Constance Classen, like, there are tribes all over uh, Malaysia, all over Colombia, that have, like, a very specific olfactory language all to themselves. So, really open your mind up to what you've been fed and what you've been taught, because a lot of it is very specifically from one perspective. And what we're trying to do is shift that perspective. I'm very careful of not appropriating certain cultures of my own. Like I live in Canada and I function in North America, but I'm also very careful with, hey, I don't want too many like black models in my imaging because I feel like I would be appropriating a culture that isn't my own. You know, so why can't I, I think I should, even on my own responsibility, focus very much on what I know and what I really understand and what I see is being disseminated incorrectly here. Mm. Right. And it's just like, hey, just like the kanji example, it's like if you grew up knowing what kanji tastes like, okay, and you have all of these stories with your mother, your grandmother, your grandfather, whoever taught you how to make it, whatever, whatever that experience is, it's very specific to you. And while you can share it with other um, members of the Southeast Asian community and resell it back to you, that doesn't make sense to me. And yes, that I is see. in play in our industry. That's yes. what I think.
1: Yes, yes. I think that's the part that is exactly right, is not saying I am superior than you, right? That, that uh, a Far East um, Asian scent, or how different it, you know, like I remember going to Morocco and being like completely like gobsmacked at, at how amazing everything was, especially uh, driving through the high Atlas Mountains. Right,
0: and there's no vanilla there.
1: There's no vanilla, but seeing the goats and seeing the argan oil right. and, and the olive oil and, and the amber and the sandalwood and the cedar is so different. And the neroli, you know, to me, Morocco smells like orange blossoms. And, and sandalwood or cedarwood, right? Versus like in Turkey, it's very rosy, but mm-hmm. no, no oud and no saffron, you know, being in, in the mountains in Esparta.
0: Well, also it, Turkey, like they don't, they don't they, it's a very specific culture. They oh, they speak Turkish, they don't speak Arabic.
1: Exactly, Right. Part, exactly. Some
0: are Muslim, some are Christian. It's totally. very separated from, it's not even considered the Arab world, but guess what, it is in Asia. Exactly. So, you know, so yes. it is Asia and Europe. It's both. Yes. Yes. And, and that's the idea too. It's like, why can't people like people always ask me, you know, are you more Egyptian or more Lebanese? And I've I it drives me crazy when I get asked that question because it forces me to have to identify with one. Why can't I why can't you figure out or wrap your head around the fact that I could be a blend of both?
1: Oh, and for me yeah. the same because right? I'm- because I was born in Taiwan, but my parents were living in Japan. So I I did have a Japanese passport, but we were expats, right? So we were or immigrants, however you want to say it. We left Taiwan, then we were in Japan and then I grew up in America. So I am, you know, my ethnicity is from Taiwan culturally. You know, my first memories are of Japan because right. I went to preschool there. My name is Japanese, right? And I went to try By the Jap- way,
0: can you tell people what it means? Because it's just so like...
1: Oh, thanks. Uh, my, um, yes, my whole my whole name, um, speaking of reclaiming names, it's, yes. it's Horyu Yoshiko Han, but it's also pronounced Fanglong or Fangzi right? There's, there's other, there cause I have many kanji and then kanji like the character, not kanji like right. the rice porridge, <laughs> but sounds the same. Um, but so yeah, I go by Yosh, but it means fragrant, um, aromatic dragon, basically. So Phoenix dragon. So I'm, I'm like a scented animal, basically a scented dragon, a scented Phoenix and, um, whole being. a whole, my whole being exactly. And I think you know they, they always say your name kind of be, be, you become your name or something like this and um i i i do think every time i try to step away from fragrance it, it just pulls me back and so i feel i feel really um you know grateful that that i've been able to really claim my space in this industry and and every time i i recognize more and more that it's it's my kind of my lineage and as an Asian American female.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and, and this is this is my lot in life right now. And I, I'm so grateful for it. I didn't used to be, and that's part of my own maturation, my own evolution and part of my decolonization. This feeling of, I don't need to be embarrassed. I don't need to be ashamed. And I don't need to be, you know, um, less than and, and my success yeah. has been because I'm not those things. Yeah. And so I want to encourage anyone who's listening. And I, and I love the DMs. You know, I am very open. I answer all my emails. And I, I feel so secretly happy that I've touched a lot of people in the industry who are indie perfumers and artisan perfumers and niche perfumers. I've done a lot of mentoring, a lot of consulting. And I love giving recommendations and referrals to people who want to go to school wasn't my path, but, but I love when my students or my mentees become successful and, 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 and that's, you know, like I'm not anyone's mom, but, but I have that, that, that desire for anyone who comes into my flock to fly and, Mm -hmm. and I'm affected positively too. So it's definitely that bridge, you know, and I think again, that meta, uh, imagery of, of of alchemy is let's create the bridge notes now because we know that the hard material of colonialism has to be shifted and morphed we can melt that but we need bridge notes bridge for notes. sure right now we need yes. bridge notes right now yes. you know and and that's where we'll find our allies and that's where we'll find the dance the harmony in in this new this new blend that we're creating together as an industry and I'm really excited my whole perception is so different now. Like I, I just smell things differently. I look at materials differently, take out what doesn't work and work with what does find the chemistry and, and, you know, that's, that's what's happening. So, um, and I love also our friendship, you know, and, and I love our um, collaborations because I, I love what you do professionally and also admire you personally. And I think, um, you know you're literally one of the most underrated perfumers you're so talented and i think you know um when you when you find um confidence in your place because you know belonging is important and just drop your anchor and and drop your grow your roots because yeah. your your message is so critical to what how the perfume will evolve into i just envision that for you in a in a much more amplified way. And, you know, like what you're doing is is so unique and different and um, what's absolutely needed in, in the world of perfumery right now.
0: Thank you. I feel like the more I embrace that, the ethnicity of things, because in the beginning, people would be like, your brand looks too ethnic. Or, you know, what what, what, are you, what story are you really trying to tell? Mm. Uh, or the scent and music thing, like a lot of the European brands started coming out with that concept. And then people thought they came out with that. And I'm like, oh, well, I didn't come up with the concept, but I've definitely been doing it for much longer. So claiming my space is absolutely something i'm working on and just believing that i 100 belong here i think i have earned it uh, after all this time we are both outsiders who have worked our way into this industry in very unprecedented ways i would say and there's a lot of shit that we have taken and also decided not to take. So there's all of these elements combined. So Ditto, I feel the same way about you. I know we think very differently about things. And once we had future olfactives, we absolutely um butted heads. But I think I learned so much from that experience. And I believe that it was actually like the seed. Mm -hmm. that sprouted all of the other things that have come out from it from the last year and it's all again going back to community you know so it's all about finding the right relationships and and for me about being real with people if i can't be real with you and i know that you're not being real with me i don't think it's gonna work very long term so i think that i absolutely treasure because our industry it's very hard to find that and to find Mm -hmm. someone who again understands you on 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 this really on an experience level like it's just i don't have to explain it to you You've already been there you've already done it yourself you know you've already lived that um so it's that element of it is very important i think because again we're very far and few in between and uh, I hope that after this, because I do believe it's an olfactory renaissance like Carol Verbeek has has mentioned many times, John Steele has mentioned this before, uh, but I think it's, it's more than that. It's not just that the public is being, uh, is becoming more aware on their own sense of smell, but I think it's on a consumer level how we are consuming everything fragrance-wise, but also on an industry level, who are the players, who are the people being involved, who are the the voices being included, and what narratives are being, I don't want to say fixed, but amended. Fumari has gotten a lot more global, right? Because we were forced to interact online, but that means that we've been able to communicate with people all over the world, which is really, really amazing. So I think that's the beginning. This is just the beginning.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for this platform and thanks for um, organizing this. Thank
0: you.